irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Andrew David James, only on LA Talk Radio. Yes, you are. <laughs> Hi, Michael. This is Thursday, <laughs> That's October twelfth, thirteenth. 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 That's right. You right. cut a day off of I our did, calendar there. <laughs> I, you know, whenever I say the thirteenth, I think of Friday, so it's actually Thursday. That's right. So we're safe. That's right. Right. Whew, made it through. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so it's starting to feel like fall. Final, that it is. Right? I tell you, I woke up last night and it was actually cold for months and weeks and weeks and weeks. So I was thrilled to have that happen. Yeah, I can always gauge everything by my dog's level of comfort because <laughs> when they are warm, they're really warm. Of course, the true when calendar they are cold, of man. They really are. <laughs> so they slept under their covers in their respective beds last night. Oh, kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Well, it's good because my kids slept over the covers and almost falling out of their beds. Still, I walk in there last night and my little girl has flopped one leg over the upper bunk. Uh, looks like she's she's balancing. She's doing a balancing act. She's going to be an aerial artist by the time she's twenty two. So, <laughs> well, they're so cute and adorable. You're a good daddy. So, shall we thank our sponsors here? Let's Andy? do that. Important right. work. We'd like to thank, ladies and gentlemen, our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to State of the Arts. We are indeed. And uh, what a program we have today, Andrew. We are very fortunate to be joined in studio today by the man behind the exciting interactive theater experience, Hollywood premiere party, The Show. Kerry Logan is with us today. All right. Hey, there you are. Oh, you shouldn't have. They saw you, <laughs> man, I tell you. <laughs> Welcome, Kerry. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you both for having us. <laughs> and, of course... We also will be speaking, hopefully, to uh, one of our favorite people here in Los Angeles, who is from New York, a three-time Tony-nominated actor uh, for his wonderful work on Broadway, and he is here in Los Angeles directing Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which will play October 14th through the 23rd at the Cerrito Center for the Performing Arts. And uh, he has just flown into Los Angeles earlier this morning, and he will be speaking with us by telephone. That's right. We hope. That's right. And before we <laughs> dig into all of that, Michael, yes. how was your week? You know, uh, it was good. It was uh, work-filled, uh, which is nothing unusual, except, um, and I haven't seen any theater this particular week. Last week was kind of a barrage of <laughs> right. theater. Like That's three, unheard of for you not to be at the theater at least actually, once. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. In the week. That was a little heavy, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, going to the Valley Performing Arts Center tomorrow evening. I know that you can't uh, join us tomorrow night. I'll be at the Falcon tomorrow night. Yes, so. you will. Yeah. And uh, we are, are seeing the beautiful Kelly O'Hara. Can't beat that. My goodness. Tony winner for The King and I this year on mm-hmm. the Tony Awards. And she's in concert there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And you are going to the Falcon to see Jay Rodriguez. That's right. In Byron Seller. Yeah. Very funny comedy. You've never yeah. seen it before, I right? haven't. I'm very excited about it, though. I think it's the first regional production. We wow. had it here at the Amundsen Theater uh, last year, and it, or about two years ago, I guess, and it, with wow. Michael Urie. And it was, it's a terrific, very inventive one-person play. And I mean, tell you, the Falcon always does such great, but what a great performer to work with, too. I mean, I, can't, I don't think you can beat that. So. He is. He's yeah. a, you know, he's a, also a Broadway boy. He's a, he made his debut on Broadway in Rent. Nice. And that's when he kind What of, role, do you recall? I don't. Hmm. I don't. I didn't see it, but uh, he was plucked out of uh, Broadway to uh, appear on television in that television series that was uh, very, very popular. I can't remember the name of it, but it was uh, rather unique. And I think it was on Bravo. Do you remember that? It was where they were. They were all gay men, and they were had a specialty in each. Oh yes, area. yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Queer eyes. Queer for the straight oh, of course, yes, for yes, the straight yes, guys. Yes, yes. That's it. Was a That's cultural it. phenomenon at the time. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's a lovely guy. He's going to be with us next week. Well, I'm definitely excited yeah. to go see that show. That's a fantastic show. So. Indeed it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my week was pretty calm. How was yours? It was, you know, it was an interesting week. I arrived home. I, I attended an industry event uh, for a bunch of uh, people and stage, uh, stage fighters and stuntmen were there. And I got to talk to a couple uh, who have been definitive in the industry. Clay Donahue was one of them. And I tell you, just hearing their point of view of what it's like to be a stuntman in this industry for 30 years, uh, the, the moves that you end up being known for and the things you're willing to do, how you have to 
to protect your body, you remember just how difficult that really is out there and how difficult that is to be a part of. So uh, that was an, a fun event to be at. And then after that, I arrived back home to a daughter who needed an emergency tooth extraction. Uh-oh. So we rushed her into the dentist and got that done. Thankfully, it wasn't a big deal, but uh, got that finished up. And then the whole way home, she was still high from the laughing gas. So every time we stopped the car, she'd unbuckle her seatbelt and start to open the door. No, no, sit back down, honey. Sit back down. Sit back down. And she'd sit back down. Same routine every time. Daddy, can I have a donut? No, we don't have donuts after oral surgery, sweetheart. Okay. And she'd go back to sleep, and then we'd stop the car again. She'd like wake up, open the door, start to take off her seatbelt. No, no, sweetie, sit back down. To, Daddy, can I have a donut? No, honey, we don't have donuts after oral surgery. So, yeah, so I had a, a funny reentry to real life here back in L.A., uh, carting my daughter around. But she's healthy and doing well now and uh, slept it off and is back at school today. So. Yeah, so was it a, a tooth in the front or the back? It was a or? molar. Oh, it was. Um, and it was, it was very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable about teeth and how they grow in, but I had had a little crack in it, I guess. And they said, look, it's going to start to abscess, so we need to get out of there. And fortunately, her dentist is amazing. A good child's dentist deserves mm-hmm. to be paid whatever they can make because that is a rarity. So, But her dentist did such a good job, and uh, they extracted it. It was mildly traumatic for her, but she came through it with flying colors. So Now, did she take that? tooth and put it under a pillow she did as a matter but I, the tooth fairy <clears throat> got a little bit undercut in this one when she left the dot the dentist office they handed her an envelope with a two dollar bill in it which i guess they do for all their kids who get a tooth extraction and so the tooth fairy had to up its game a little bit here uh he, he usually or uh, the tooth fairy usually leaves like a 50 cent piece and the tooth fairy was like i'm not getting outdone by the dentist for her first molar yeah, that's so. a cheap tooth fairy right <laughs> so, well it's one of those little kennedy half dollars and right. you know we're, we don't want to you know, make her all about the money it's yeah, about the yeah. sentiment of it uh, but so this time she got a little box and i think the tooth fairy kind of uh stepped up its game a little bit and katie was very happy and showed it off to everybody so, so. she made 250 out of it yeah she i think she's doing good she may yank the rest of her teeth here and go out and buy a car but <laughs> or pull her hair out one of the two that's right my goodness well listen shall we give mark a call we uh, certainly can give that a try i know you've left a message for let him me go ahead and dial sense. him up here yeah. and we'll see if we can't get a hold of him and if not we will introduce the we certainly Mary logan let's see We'll give him one last chance. And, Fascinating uh, radio here as we dial up on Skype. When it's live, you know, that's you have right. to go with it, right? This is real you know, radio here, ladies and gentlemen. executive producer knows Curry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he is not picking up, which means I'm he sure is he is busy in a rehearsal. Hey, you've reached yeah. Mark. Please. Unfortunately, he is off in a rehearsal there. I can um, a great message. Yeah, what that? <laughs> we could leave an online <laughs> message, although then he's going to call us back and have to listen to all those messages, too. So exactly. why don't we introduce this well, fine-looking man next to me? Yeah? You want to do that? Let's do it. All right. With more than 25 years of experience in the Los Angeles entertainment industry, our next guest has developed a lengthy resume in television, film, and theater. His name has become synonymous with the success of original works and innovative theatrical events. In New York, he was a member of the earliest cast of the mega-hit Tony and Tina's Wedding, and he he has used some of that knowledge that he gained during that time to create a new show called Hollywood Premiere Party The Show, which is now making waves across the Southland. He is not only a party planner and event extraordinaire host, but he has also had onstage starring roles. He has done it all, and he joins us today to tell us more about this unique, enthralling, and utterly entertaining undertaking. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the amazing Carrie Logan. <laughs> Welcome, Carrie. Thanks for being Indeed. here today. Thank you guys both for having me. Here this, is my first question for yes, you, sir. sir. The gentleman who sat across from me for uh, almost uh, six years and who Andrew has beautifully replaced, but uh, there's only one guy like this man, Paul Strolley. <laughs> and Paul was uh, an original cast member of Tony and Tina's Wedding in Chicago. In Chicago. Okay. And then he did kind of uh, get involved with it to some very small degree in New York. And uh, just kind of on a consulting basis, I believe. But he has now become the director of Tony and Tina's Wedding in Chicago because they have brought it back for a, a, a very long run. And that's right. It's going to be going on 25 to 30 years. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I wondered if you knew him at all. Do not know him. Yeah. I would never cross paths. Um, I think I was floating around maybe around the second New York cast. Mm-hmm. So maybe the first cast of New York was transitioning out. And it was it was different in New York, wasn't it? It than, was different than it was from in Chicago. Um, uh, than the original, I think. It was well, pretty, I mean, they they actually kind of brought the story, uh, did some changes with the story. And they they developed it a little. They did hash it out a little bit. Yeah. And um, I don't know if Chicago actually had the whole church moving over to the yes the actual restaurant. 
But in New York, we had, you know, we were down in the, the West Village back in the, in the early 90s, mm -hmm. and we had a nice little church. We actually physically, the audience would walk all together in a little group over from the church. Cool. The, it was a lot of fun, yeah. We'd go over <laughs> to some... Uh, to Gus's place, yeah. which was a famous place, and I don't know if you're, you know, it's a big New York West Village Italian place, and Gus was a really, <laughs> really, uh, really well-respected guy, and great Italian food. Are and, you Italian? Uh, no, okay. not Italian. A little bit, though. It can't be in Tony and Tina's wedding <laughs> that, without no, getting yeah. a little bit of it. <laughs> don't tell anybody in Tony and Tina's wedding that I'm not Italian. <laughs> oh, what a great goodness. experience that must have been, working with that show and such, because it became just a, a huge event across the country. At the time, it was extremely innovative yeah. theater. And, um, you know, the group of people we were with, um, I was just talking about this the other day, about the, the audition experience was amazing for that show because it was just sort of, once you got to the point with the casting director with, you know, uh, want you to audition, the audition was pretty much show up in character for the show. <laughs> wow. And, you know, so trial by fire pretty much. Wow. Uh, and, amazing. you know, if you had some fun and, I guess, improved your way through and... Uh, didn't fall apart by the end of the night, then uh, you made it in the show. Is it exhausting being an actor in something like that? Yes. I would think it would be. It's extremely exhausting. If you talk to my current cast uh, after the first night, yeah, you could just sort of see how, I mean, three straight hours. This night is a you know two to three hour event mm -hmm. and staying in character and mingling with people. And, and you sort of need to find these little moments where you go off on your own and go you know backstage and gather yourself and come back out again. It's really tiring. So you know that world very well, which yes. is therefore what led you to creating this project. Absolutely. Hollywood Premiere Party, the show. Tell us about it. So having had that experience uh, and then subsequently moving out here to L.A., uh, spending 20 years in various facets of the entertainment business, uh, this idea was planted many years ago, and I'm sure the seed was Tony and Tina's wedding. <laughs> um, so uh, between... Uh, doing uh, producing events and writing shows for events and children's uh, theater and all the different sort of areas I've worked in. Uh, this idea came to be and uh, I spent many years writing it, but uh, couldn't really figure out how to, how to do it, as I sort of mentioned to you a little <laughs> earlier, that uh, this is not a show you can really preview. Yeah. Because this, <laughs> the show is an actual red carpet Hollywood premiere party, and uh, it's hard to have one without the actual attendees. So uh, we just finally discovered we just uh, can't really workshop this. We're just going to have to do the show and <laughs> and uh, make it work. And so and who the audience are the attendees? Is the audience right? are the attendees. Yeah. So we're you know you come as you would any Hollywood you know party, and mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's a lot more exciting for people who aren't in the industry because <laughs> those of those of those of us that uh, have been in of these parties for 20 years, it's uh, a little it's, stressful to get ready for a party. It's a little stressful yeah. to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> And the venue that this is being performed in, I am not familiar with this, Manor on Vine. Where so is yes, that? I mean, as since it's not a theater, it's in Hollywood, mm -hmm. it's pretty much right Hollywood and Vine, right next to the Capitol Records building. Um, it's an actual venue that does Hollywood premiere parties and, mm -hmm. and you know, entertainment industry events and that sort of thing. Um, they, this is just a space literally built for this. So mm. um, we, uh, we are there earlier in the evening. We have uh, our show starts at 6.30. Uh, 6.30 to 9, 9.30, mm -hmm. and it's a full night. It's a full night of, uh, you know, the celebrities for the, the show Love and Waffles, which is the romantic comedy that we're, <laughs> we're parroting. Love and Waffles. <laughs> so that's a live performance? Uh, the, the Love and Waffles is the movie. Oh, it's the movie. <laughs> that's the movie. Okay. Great. Now I want waffles. Oh, yes. Man. It's going to be a long show. So the stars of this <laughs> fictional movie... They're uh, showing up and walking the red carpet and intermingling with the crowd. And, and so the stars are the people you've cast, and the people who attend are the audience, but they also, in some cases, get swag bags and stuff like that. Am I correct? They get swag bags. Awesome. They, uh, you know, we found that definitely people, are, people who are attending are sort of taking on their own roles, and uh, you're not quite sure if they are producers that they say they are and casting directors they say they are, and that's already starting to happen with, uh, with the audience members, whereas the line that's sort of a very blurry line between fiction and <laughs> reality. <laughs> Which is the great fun of this. Ladies and Just gentlemen, we're talking about Carrie Logan for today. Los Angeles. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and we're talking about Hollywood Premiere Party. Uh, this, is a, this is a really fun, completely immersive, interactive event, and you guys just opened. Is that correct? We just opened on Friday at our opening weekend. Yeah. Wow. How'd that house. go? It was fantastic. Awesome. It was 
was all, you know, it was technically our preview and our opening and our tech week and our, <laughs> it was everything all combined into one weekend. <laughs> wow. So now when you walk into this, uh, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you come and you're, you know, you're dressed up for the theater and you go out and you, you get in line and from the moment you get in line, the show starts. Is that correct? The moment you get in line, you're standing in line and the characters are already roaming around. So, and they're, they're bigger than life. So, uh, we have a limousine that actually pulls up and the stars for the fictional love and waffles pour out of the limousine. And <laughs> we have the paparazzi there taking pictures and uh, we make the people who, you know, uh, show up for this event feel like they're on the A-list themselves and cool. we take their pictures and we have the big step and repeat with the red carpet and they take their picture taken and the whole and they get their little bracelet. Wow. Right. And they go in and. They're whoever they say they are at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> so you can show up and be a, a non-nominated actor or a producer there watching. But either way, you're hobnobbing with the, with the people at the red carpet event. I had uh, some people, uh, some of the actors would come up to me opening weekend on the side and break character and say, I have... Uh there's this producer here who wants to meet whoever's in charge of this thing. And then they would say, I'm not sure if they really are. Producer. But can you go over there? Yeah. So there is a, there's a really fun sort of thing going on here in this world that we created. That's great. Absolutely. But now, just to, be, to clarify, so the, the, the film, Love and Waffles, this is shown at the event. So it's not. It's a fictional film. It never gets shown. No, never gets shown. Okay. There's a trailer. Okay. We, did it. we do have a trailer that we okay. show. Um, but no, this is a fictional romantic comedy that we're all there to celebrate the premiere of. I see. Okay. Great. We do have uh, cast interviews on the set of mm. uh, the romantic comedy Love right. and Waffles that we Very nice. play there. The <laughs> so there's something to see inside. There's, inside yes, inside. and there's a lot of scenes, etc. Carrie, may I take a break for just a moment and we can bring in our other guest if uh, you don't please, mind? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Boy. Hello, hello. Hi. Mark? Mark, it's Michael Sterling and Andrew David James. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. You're, You're live on, on the radio today. Thank you for joining us here today, Mark. Of course. How, yeah, how was that plane trip coming in? You must have left awfully early from New York, right? Yeah, no, it was early. Um, it's amazing how many people are actually up and, and, and about at uh, 5, I don't know, 30 in the morning. At JFK, I'm not lying. It's probably the busiest time I've ever seen JFK. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want that to be a regular practice for you, so I hope hope you don't do that again or have to do that again. <laughs> nah, listen. I mean, you know, it's been a practice lately, but I'm not complaining. I mean, you know, it started getting cold in the city, which was actually really nice. It's been getting into the 40s, but then, you know, we coming back out here a couple weeks later, and you know, seeing the uh, ocean before we drove over. Kind of nice. Well, wow. we're glad to have you back, and uh, we are here to talk to you about this wonderful reimagined version of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat that is in your hands and that of your wife's as well, Shannon Lewis, yes. the Broadway performer and choreographer yeah. for the show. So, Mark, how is the show different? Can you tell the audience here how what what have you done that uh, makes it different from from what it when it was on Broadway or any other previous production? Well, I'll say this, given that I was on Broadway with it in 1993, mm -hmm. um, and am partly responsible for um, the, the Joseph, the structure that we all know today, um, the Megamix, it is a part of that too. Mm -hmm. um, what's different this time around, and I think pretty much from any other time it's been, is not letting the pastiche and the comedy and the campiness and the winking get in the way um, of really actually getting into the story and the meaning of the story of Joseph. Um, I really wanted to stick true to the heart and soul of why that story is so familiar and so important to so many people of so many faiths. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like I even said um, to the cast on day one, you know, the Old Testament's a tough book. Um, it's, it's tough lessons. It's tough love. And there are very few happy endings to any of those stories or parables, Joseph being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, but you can probably name three, and the rest of them are <laughs> tough. So I really wanted to dive into what the lesson of that particular story was. And, you know, I mean, given it's such an early story, it's such 
I, I actually liken the story of Joseph very much to a good piece of Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very simple, straightforward, emotional value, and, but simple doesn't mean easy. And I think simple is the hardest thing to do. And I wanted to use the pastiche not to just go to the obvious and get the quick laugh, but actually use a different style of music to, to support the story in each moment. So if we're going to do country western, why? Why country western? What does country <laughs> western have to say in this moment? Why Calypso? You know, why the uh, Parisian, you know, chanteuse? I mean, I just, I really wanted to dive into the heart of the story of Joseph and make it relevant for right now because I think it's very relevant for right now. Yeah. Um, and I think we've achieved that. I think we've accomplished something that is funny and that is, that, 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 that is clever, but is also exciting and very unexpected with a story we all know already. But you know, I think that there's always something unexpected to be learned, even in a, in a story that you think you know really well. Well, and you have uh, the good um, support of people who you have cast, John, uh, Justin Anthony Long in the title role of Joseph, and the lovely effervescent Charlotte Mary Wen as the narrator. Yeah. And yeah. so many of and, the others yeah. that you've cast in these particular roles that bring some new energy, new life, especially um, oh, yeah. uh, Edred uh, Utomi, uh, to oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what that character has become. Uh, it's usually seen as Absolutely. Elvis, but in your production, he does a takeoff on James Brown, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a part of the thing that makes the play of Joseph work is the company itself. And this is another thing we talked about on day one. It only lives through the actual actors that are on that stage and of course the musicians and it is a story that has to be told by those people organically through those people and if you do that every time you tell it it's a whole new story with a whole new tale if you will mm -hmm. we didn't even know who Pharaoh was going to be until Edred walked in I had had a very different idea of how I wanted to approach the Pharaoh uh, he was not originally coming into audition for Pharaoh um, but even in the original Broadway production, I auditioned for Barrow. I was second choice for Barrow, actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they offered me Reuben, which I'd never opened my mouth for. Um, and I think it was because they had no idea, really. They had had an idea about Reuben. And then huh. when I walked in, they went, wait a minute. And when Edred walked in, we all kind of, I, I specifically was like, okay, hold on a minute. And then I remember him walking out of the room, and I said to everybody, we found a pharaoh. We just have found a pharaoh that no one's seen yet. Amazing. You know? And, but I mean, like with Justin, when Justin walked in the room, I was definitely, and he had, he's played the role like three times already. And I think for Justin, it's, it's, it's a wonderful adventure because this is a very, I think, different way to play the character. And, and he's so good. And he's so good. And I, it's so much fun to have watched him surprise himself and in turn surprise the audience. And Charlotte, when she came in, we were all excited about because to me she represents the, the millennial mind and the millennial heart. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of a narrator not just being matronly or a teacher, or, but, but in fact someone young who is still questioning herself. She doesn't have answers. She just has more questions. And I think that's what makes the, the evening feel unexpected. And even though you know the play, I think you'll walk away not knowing, being surprised about how you feel hmm. about the play you know when you leave. And I think that's what she says at the beginning of the show. You are what you feel. Um, and, you know, if that's not relevant now... I don't know what it is. Exactly. That's so true. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Mark. You have, uh, this is a, a first for you in, in a couple of ways. It's the first time that you're working with your wife, Shannon, in the capacity yeah. of being team members on the same, in the same production. And also yes. a first for you actually directing a pre-established uh, show like this. You, you have directed yeah. other things that have been original works that you have been a part of. And uh, how was this 
for you. I mean, you certainly have a history with this show, so you must know it inside and out. But you also have well, you have yeah. 22 cast members, and you have 35 children as a choir right. in this show. How do you keep those children in, in check? Are, are they... Are they good-minded? I mean, are they all professionals, or they have never done this before, or some have, some haven't? Well, I mean, let's start with it takes a village in the theater. <laughs> you can't – no, it takes a village. The thing that the big difference between film and television in the theater, because, you know, I've been doing a lot of television this summer. Like, literally, I had this window because I'm working on Billions. I'm on the Showtime show Billions this yes. season. Um, and uh, I literally got back after we put it up in Redondo, and I had to shoot. And then, you know, the minute I finished that, we're back here to install here. But, like, the difference between all of that is is you can work in stages with television and film, and really everyone mostly has their job to do. They focus in the moment on what their job is, and then they walk away, and then someone else will pick up the work and then follow through from there. So it's really a director and even more an editor's medium mm-hmm. in the theater. We're all present together at the same time. It all happens simultaneously mm-hmm. in the moment. So all of the designers and the director, the choreographer, the music director, uh, the producer, everyone is present together. And actors every night have to be their own editor because you're always seeing the whole vision of the play. And it's up to the actors and the direction and the music direction to keep that focus where the audience needs to keep focused. So it takes a village nightly to do that. And it couldn't have happened without Shannon, without her ability to tell story physically which is, by the way, a part of the book. Musicals are, are, are so much more complex than a play mm-hmm. because you're dealing in different vernaculars. You're speaking, you're singing, and you're dancing, and all of that is actual book, if you will. Um, because sometimes words aren't enough. Uh, couldn't have done it without Shannon. Couldn't have done it without TJ. Couldn't have done it without the production team. And, and, and you know, that... The, the, the management team with 3D to keep the show supported and running. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't have done it with our uh, Anna White, who is our associate choreographer. Yes. You know, uh, couldn't do couldn't do it without her. And when we're gone, she's here keeping everyone supported. And Ryan, Ryan Roos, who's you know my assistant and yes. TJ's assistant, and like, and he's there to support that and to keep an eye on the kids who are brilliant, by the way. It's an amazing group of kids, but oh, they are kids. I concur. You know, and so, I, having and, seen them on opening I, night, I concur. Yeah, but you know, and I've said it, I have very personal feelings about kids on the stage. I've worked with a lot of children, and I've seen the positives, and I've seen the challenges. And so, like, I give all of these kids huge uh, props for being as focused nightly as they are. Like being in the sometimes enjoying themselves so much in the show, they'll they'll miss a cue. But better <laughs> that than like not being in it at all. Like when I I always say when I'm in a show or when I've written a show or I'm producing or directing, I much prefer someone to walk out of a project that I'm a part of than fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mark, this is Andrew James. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I wanted to ask you real quick, if you have a moment, obviously you're a a qualified star who's done so much film, theater, and television, uh, three Tony nominations, you've been all over the world, but this show is is interesting to me because this could very well be a young person's first exposure to musical theater. I mean, for me, learning all about the stories, uh, Benjamin and Joseph's reunion was, was one of my favorite biblical stories growing up, and of course, Joseph was one of the earliest shows I saw. Does that weigh yeah. heavy, that responsibility of knowing that these may be, you know, a seven or eight or nine-year-old's first exposure to musical theater? You have to keep it so true to the story, but also you have to do something really unique to lock that audience in. Is that a, a heavy weight to carry as a director? Personally, no, because that's how I approach my work. Mm-hmm. It's always how I've approached my work. I approach Anything that I do as this is the first time anyone is going to see or hear this particular point of view. And I never think of a specific audience. I always think of the audience. Mm. Um, 
so I always think that if you're going to do something or you're going to create something, if you're focused on a result orientation, I think you're already off the rails. Yeah. But I think if you stay focused on what the intent is, you'll automatically get a result and likely you'll get more hmm. than what your expectation is. Because I'm not, look, I'm one guy. It's like critics. It's one person's point of view. But that's not who we do it for. And I do it for, like you say, the kid that's going to come in and see it for the first time, who I don't know, who I've never met, who I didn't know was coming tonight. But I want there to be something that's there for them, as well as their parent. That's a very important thing for me. You know, um, I think that, you know, kids' stories are the best stories because all of us, there's a child in all of us. And more often than not, young kids, are still open to listening and learning. It's the older kids. Those are the ones that are harder to get to. So I don't, like, for me, I think you tell your story as honestly and as truthfully as you can, and it will have multiple layers that will affect people in their own way. And you leave room for an audience to choose how they want to listen, how they want to respond, how they want to engage. You know, so I don't find it to be any kind of heavy responsibility. That's my job. Like, that's my job. My job is to create an environment, a conversation, a dialogue nightly with an audience that is, for the moment that it's together, a unique entity, a personality of its own. And we will share in that experience for two to three hours. And then that, that living organism will dissipate. And that happens every time. <laughs> well, you have done a spectacular job, Mark. You seriously have. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to tell you that this production opens tomorrow evening, October 14th, at the beautiful, beautiful Cerritos Center for the Performing Arts. And it runs there through October 23rd. Tickets are very affordable. And for tickets, you simply call the theater box office at 562-916-8500. And or you can go to... 3dtheatricals.org. That's the website for the uh, production company that is producing this. And you can get your tickets there. Or you can go directly to the Cerritos Center for the Performing Arts as well. So we urge you, as we always say on this program, to put down your remotes from your televisions and get in your car and go see and support live theater anywhere that you can. But this weekend, you've got some great choices, and this is one of them. That's right. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate it here on State of the Arts. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Take care now. All you right. too. Have a great day. Wow, what a, what a great show Joseph is. Yes. And with a mind like that behind the creative direction, it's going to be something to see. Well, you know there's a very famous song from this show called Any Dream Will Do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Mark has done in that section of the show, uh, in, its re- in its reprise, which is toward the uh, mega mix in the, uh, not the mega mix, but toward the end, there's a, a slight reprise. And the whole back of the uh, set it becomes, uh, you know, projectable. And there are current uh, images of, of people, uh, historic images of people, so from very long ago to now, all who have achieved these dreams. People wow. that you wouldn't suspect you would see on the screen. Am I included in that montage? Anywhere? You are not. Unbel- I can't even get work in the uh, montages these days. Unbelievable, man. But you were, th- I'm sure you were there in spirit, at least of when course. I saw it. I, I, oh. I plan to be there in body, too, because yeah. this sounds like an amazing production. It is. And not only that, but they've they've done a lot of things differently. I saw the amazing Donny Osmond in this role, and I know yes. you have a close experience with yep. this, too. The show's gone through a lot of incarnations, and what Mark has done from, from all I've heard is that he has changed this show to make it something you have to see now to see it this way. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing to do as a director. Well, when we uh, put it on social media this morning, Bill Hutton, who created the role of Joseph, of course. <laughs> replied to me with a uh, thumbs up on this. Very so, nice, yeah. very nice. Sweet. Well, that, of course, is Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, put up by 3D Theatricals, and it's going to be an amazing one. We will, of course, give that information out again before the end of the show. Um, and we'll uh, continue with our guest here and possibly do yeah. a live arts calendar. Yeah, How does that I think sound, what Michael? we should do is probably do the live arts calendar first, and then we will come, we'll, we'll go into the home stretch with Kerry and uh, get back to his interview. What do you think about that? That sounds okay. like a plan. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Broadway's favorite ingenue returns to the Valley Performing Arts Center for one night only, tomorrow night, October 14th. After scoring her first Tony Award earlier this year for her performance in The King and I, the New York Times calls her one of our greatest interpreters of musical standards. A native of Oklahoma, Kelly received a degree in opera and after winning the state metropolitan opera competition, moved to New York and enrolled in Lee Strasberg Institute. She made her Broadway debut in Jekyll and Hyde and followed it up with Sondheim's Follies, Sweet Smell of Success, opposite John Lithgow, and Dracula. In 2003, Kelly committed to a production of The Light in the Piazza in Seattle's Intman Theater. The show landed on Broadway in 2005 and earned Kelly her first Tony and Drama Desk Award nominations. And she moved from one critical and commercial success to another when she joined Harry Connick on Broadway in the 2006 Tony Award-winning production of The Pajama Game, for which Kelly received Tony, Drama Desk, and Outer Critic award nominations. Kelly starred in the Tony Award-winning revival of South Pacific at Lincoln Center, enrapturing audiences and critics alike with her soulful and complex interpretation of Nellie Forbush, and garnering Tony, Drama Desk, and Outer Critic Award nominations. She later teamed up with Matthew Broderick in Broadway's musical comedy, Nice Work If You Can Get It, earning Tony, Drama Desk, League and and all the others, uh, as well as the Fred Astaire nomination for dance. And now, ladies and gentlemen, is your chance to see her live on stage tomorrow night, one night only, Friday, October fourteenth, in the Great Hall, a spectac- at the spectacular Valley Performing Arts Center on campus of Cal State Northridge. For tickets, call eight one eight. 677-3000 or visit valleyperformingartscenter.org that's arts with an A-R-T-S center.org ladies and gentlemen I don't think we can recommend highly enough that venue yeah, and what they're doing there right truly now truly spectacular yeah one of the most beautiful places to hear music first of all mm-hmm. and second of all what a great artistic direction they have there as far as breaking into the musical genre Thor, uh, Thor Steingrober has been responsible for these a friend of the seasons, show of course yes, yes that are coming up uh, on their stage with musicals that started off with Dreamgirls West Side Stories coming up and Man of La Mancha so it's all very exciting out there so that's our arts calendar, and Lots we hope of that people will pick up the phone and go see Miss O'Hara because she doesn't uh, do these kinds of concerts very often uh, in in our city, at least. She's been uh, at the Valley Performing Arts Center for one other event in the past, but uh, I'm very excited to see her. Absolutely, yeah. no doubt about it. Thank you. And then on what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, with our other guest, Carrie Logan, we are talking about the Hollywood premiere party, the show. So, tell us. Uh, what is the? I know you you opened on October seventh, so you've had some a few performances. We have here. we have two shows. And how have those been going? Has the audience been flocking in? Is it, is it surprising you that they are taking to it, or it's pleasing you that it that uh, we had audiences that we had two full houses yeah. on uh, Friday and Saturday, and um, if anything, it was. Uh, even a little bit more than I maybe had imagined. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always good. That's always good, yeah. Um, like I said, that sort of, uh, the excitement. I mean, the show is a celebration of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And we're making fun of, we're making fun with, and we're trying to create that experience for, and I, I had, like, for example, an audience member come to me after and say, uh, I've never felt so, you know, I, was, I felt so important and so loved. And, and, you know, that feeling, that emotion of being able to sort of make that mysterious Hollywood party, yeah. something accessible to the masses, something right. that you may not otherwise ever attend in your life, <laughs> right? That sort so of excitement true. and feeling is, is what we're trying to get across, and, and that is getting across to people, and that's what we wanted. When the guests are on the red carpet, are they interviewed by people? Um, we, have, we have our host, Mary Sharp, who is the uh, Mary Hart <laughs> <Yeah>. of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> dating, dating myself and others. But, uh, yeah. So yes, people are are uh, they're not formally interviewed in the, within the show, but right. um, we have uh, a whole interview process that happens. We have the paparazzi taking their pictures, right. and so they they get that sort of feeling. And we do have this occasional celebrity that shows up, and we're happy to interview them on the red carpet. Right. <laughs> well, now Carrie, this is uh, Michael and I are huge fans of entire nights of entertainment, where you can go somewhere and sit down and just enjoy your evening through and through. You for ninety nine dollars, you get dinner as well as an amazing show. Is that correct? That is correct. And you can actually do a, a VIP package which is only $129 so 20 bucks more I mean uh, 30 bucks more for that the VIP package you get a glass of champagne you get a 
true swag bag with a lot of cool Hollywood swag in it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And you get to call yourself a VIP. And you get to, of course. <laughs> of course Which is amazing. And that acronym is uh, very important here in Los Angeles for a lot of people. I think, That's right? so true. I, I know people who stamp it on their foreheads the way they talk. So one of the things that I, I think is so cool about this show is that it is in a location that actually does this. So really every effort has been taken to give you the opportunity to attend a Hollywood uh, uh, premiere. It's pretty amazing. It's the truest experience we could try to create. Yeah. Absolutely. And what is the capacity uh, of this venue? Our uh, tickets are, you know, what we consider to be a full house is about 130 to 150 wow. people. So we can accommodate a uh, pretty large group of people. Right. And I mean, without a large group of people, it's not really much of a party. So please come <laughs> to the Hollywood premiere party. <laughs> and add to the fun. That's and right. Add to the fun, yeah. Now, you've done this for uh, for other events, obviously, with interactive theater. But this is a, a different, it's a unique kind of theater to do. Uh, how much story is there? How much narrative is there throughout this? Is there a story they need to follow? What will they? What will audiences want to look for as they watch? That's a great question. There, There is narrative, and there are characters that we introduce at the onset on um, the red carpet. So we get to know who's who and what their content context is within the show and with one another, and there are scenes that play out through the course of the evening. However, the scenes are not necessary for you. You can catch what you catch. You can be on the patio. We have monitors and AV throughout the whole venue, so you could be out on the patio having a drink at the bar, and you could sort of see what's going on on the, on the stage. There, we have a Q&A that goes on. Um, we have various characters. You know, we have, we have the girl off the bus who does an impromptu monologue trying to be discovered. We have, How cool. We have, so it's, it's sort of a lot of, uh, there's a loose thread that ties the whole evening together. That's great. That's great. And is she discovered at this premiere? Well, or you have to come. You have to come and see. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's well, that's interesting to me, too. As you watch kind of uh, this sort of entertainment, you understand that it, you, if you do it right at its core, the audience leaves feeling like they've just had fun, regardless of what else they see. And I get that from you talking to you personally, that you understand that innately. People go there, they're going to get reserved seating. Is that correct? with the VIP package. The VIP gets a reserve VIP They're going to get, uh, of course, a gift bag, complimentary photo complimentary photo with the cast and crew of Love and Waffles. Yes, sir. Uh, and so I think there's some really fun things there. And in this age of images and social media and all that, what a fun thing to walk into a premiere party, have all the pictures taken there, but then also get a photo with the cast and crew. I love that idea. It's a lot of fun. Carrie, has this show been done elsewhere? I know it's the premiere of it here in Los Angeles. But has no, it been... this is uh, the first time we've created the show and so the first time it's uh, ever it's been done. It's a world premiere. Then. It is a world premiere. Any chance it goes anywhere else? We'd like to be able to possibly move the show to uh, Las Vegas would be a great home for the show. Yeah. Well. Would. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see a long-term run both in L.A. and in Las Vegas. Uh, that, would, that would be You know, I haven't been to too many of these type of events, but the ones that I have... Uh, it's because you're always at Hollywood premiere parties. You don't have time to go to these shows. <laughs> got the real ones. Uh, not necessarily. But, uh, I have enjoyed them. I'm a little intimidated by this kind of art because, I, you know, it's like even if somebody introduces me somewhere in front of a large group of people, if I just happen to be there, it's, I, you know, it's... You don't like being engaged that way? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, you know, we all like attention and that's one <laughs> thing, but there's a, another thing when, you, when you're kind of singled out, so... This from the man who once during a show wore nothing but a dance belt, so I'm not convinced that he's <laughs> totally that truthful Pippen, about by any that. Chance? Or, <laughs> me? Was that Pippin by any chance? <laughs> okay. No, it wasn't. I know that. <laughs> I think for me, I think that this kind of theater provides a different option for a night out on the town. And when you look at the great shows that we've talked about, we've talked about Joseph today, obviously, which will be fantastic with 3D theatricals, Avita coming up, and of course the Falcon and uh, the Valley Performing Arts Center. This is something different. If you've seen a couple shows this week, or if you're looking for something to take somebody on a date or something, you go out and you see a story and you support live theater, but you also have a completely different experience than you will have anywhere else in this town. Well, a I love date that. in particular for a show like what we're talking about here, Hollywood Premiere Party, right. that's the perfect date show, right? And if and if you do it just right, they don't know that it's not real, and they honestly think you're that big in this town. So that's pretty Absolutely, cool, yes. too. <laughs> yeah, you don't know when you show up. Plus, there's a little bit of, you know, there's alcohol. So <laughs> Which always helps. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Hollywood premiere party, the brainchild here of Carrie Logan, who uh, has, has been so kind to join us on State of the Arts. It's opened on October 7th, and it runs through the 29th. Um, and I believe that there are um, Thursday actually it runs shows. longer than that. It How runs, long does it run? It actually runs through Three. November fifth. Fantastic. Okay. And so, and there's shows on Friday, Saturday, and Thursday as well. Is Just that the Thursday, uh, November third. That's what I see here. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Limited run. Showtimes. It says here on the press release are six fifteen. Is that correct? Six fifteen box office, uh, and the show is actually six thirty to. Uh, 
about 9.30. And when, yeah. Okay, so they can be out by 9.30. Yeah, it's early and it's at the Manor on Vine, which is a real Hollywood premiere party uh, location. Uh, if you want tickets, ladies and gentlemen, you can visit www.plays411.com backslash, eight backslash HPP. Or you can just go to www.hollywoodpremiereparty.com. What a great idea, Carrie. This sounds really it fun. Is. fun. Thank you. Having really a lot of fun. fun. Uh, you know, we want to tell you something right now because we're heading into the last five minutes of this program, and, and uh, we have a signature piece that we do at the end. Has, did is Andrew? this my tap dance number? <laughs> yeah. No. No, not All that. Right. All right. Do I have to tap dance? <laughs> not that signature. No. Uh, it is uh, something that we ask of all of our guests, and that is to recall an embarrassing, awkward moment in your career whether it is on the stage or in a film or television or just something that it could be sad it could be happy it, it could be anything you want it to be but we got love plenty it. <laughs> we had one guest who gave us one from our show that day she was doing with us so that's pretty impressive when you can be that oh, time right. so, exactly. do you have anything that comes to your mind sure. are we going to start the segment uh, you shall uh, you right. want to i know what you want to hear yeah. ladies and gentlemen and now <laughs> embarrassing moments now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think that that is the intro. I've got a bunch of these, but that's one of my well, favorites. I've oh, got it now. <laughs> that's right. So, if, if that doesn't cue you up to hit a home okay. run, my friend, <laughs> I have an embarrassing um, theatrical moment. I, uh, so, I used to be a street performer or busker, as they used to call us. Uh, <laughs> and by used to be, you mean last night, correct? Yeah, I just retired. <laughs> After this, I practically retired. I um, was hired to do some fire breathing on wow. uh, a set wow. for um, my first fire breathing gig was uh, Avalon Barry Levinson movie back when I was a kid back in Baltimore because this is something that you know how to do because yeah I always figured why not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was an old renaissance festival uh, skill that uh-huh. I picked up back in those days um, I was shooting a commercial out here in Los Angeles about maybe 15 years ago uh, right over here in Van Nuys in a park and uh shooting a commercial for I believe it was Monday Night Football and um, the uh, I was out in a big field breathing fire and the director kept saying okay one more you know one more okay one more and uh, finally that one more a big gust of wind came oh no now mind you before I tell you what actually happened we'd been sitting around set for, for three days and you know you're sitting around doing nothing and we're joking Oh, yeah, you know, the fire marshal was hanging out with me, and we're joking. Oh, yeah, well, well you know, don't worry. I'll be standing by for your big uh, blow-up, right? So we talked about this for two days and really built up to it. And then on the third day, uh, I shot the scene and one more take, and a big gust of wind came along, and uh, pretty much the whole ball of fire just blew me right back. Oh, and, no. And uh, burned uh, my head, my face, my ears, yeah. my hands, was rushed to the hospital. Oh, my first no. response, uh, getting to the point of our segment here, my first reaction, I will always remember, extremely embarrassed. <laughs> really? Yeah. Then the pain hit. Right. <laughs> then the pain hit. Oh, my and, goodness. I uh, had to go to the Northridge uh, Medical Center and uh, got bandaged up like the Invisible Man for about a week. Your eyebrows seem to have come back in full force, yes, though. They're the not skin, drawn on, are they? Eyebrows, everything. Thank it goodness, was, uh, my friend. Up. Wow. I was bandaged up for quite some time. So... How, uh, the process of breathing, breathing fire, yes. is what you're saying. So you're taking it in, you're inhaling it. When Actually, you, when you breathe fire, you're really just uh, perfecting the art of spraying right. the fluid out of your mouth, uh-huh. uh, not into the wind. I see. Uh, hopefully not into the wind. <laughs> yeah. But the fluid is coming out of your mouth. Yes. That cre- and, yeah, and you, so that's the fire? That's, yeah, the fluid, and you light it with a torch. So you're, you're spraying uh, like a, a white gas and how, how is this healthy to be inside of you? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not when you don't do it the right way. <laughs> when the when the no, wind comes there up, there cannot it's not be anything healthy, healthy about ingesting right. uh, ingesting lighter fluid. I can only imagine the wow. one more time, one more time, but one it pays more time. Well. <laughs> I'm sure it yeah, should. It better pay well. But doesn't that come back in your dreams at some point? I mean, just oh, like, I, I I couldn't. Uh, I'm sure. Like I remember lighting a fireplace like shortly thereafter, and we <gasps> had you know flashing, flashing back. Yeah, absolutely. It took oh. me a while. Well, you look healthy and happy now, which we're <laughs> very you. glad you came out of this all right. What is, we got to do a new segment called Death Defying Moments yeah, here on exactly. State of the Arts. That's amazing. And, and I wow. have to, to, to defend myself because you said uh, coming from the man that was in a dance belt for. You don't want people thinking that's what you're in right now? No. <laughs> we sometimes yes, have pantless. He's wearing a dance belt. <laughs> Confirmation have, here, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we have pantless Thursdays here, but that's another show. But, uh, no, I was in a production of Bye Bye Birdie. Very simple. Okay. I was a child. I was 14 years old. 
and uh, the big transition scene in that uh, coming from New York to Sweet Apple, Ohio. Yeah, I'm sure you've all seen the yeah. show. It was done in the round at a, at a 3,000 seat theater here. Oh, wow. And strobe lights, and we're making that change. All of us kids, we have underdressed from our, 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 our sweet apple clothes are underneath and the New York clothes are on the outside. And the strobe is happening, and runners are, uh, dressers are coming up the aisles to, to get all of us on the stage and rip things off of us. <laughs> and, uh, and boom, and the lights come up. And this is all like in, you know, 20 seconds or right. something like that. And, and <clears throat> the lights came up, and we're singing, and we've got flags we're waving and and uh, conrad birdie's train is arriving and i feel such a draft and i do not know where it's coming from and i was in my uh, underneath a red sweater a white you know shirt under that and i uh, looked down and i had no pants i had just hello birdie but i'm bummed I know. And, uh, one of those uh, I was mortified, needless to say. And How I, many people? 3,000. Oh, my God. Yeah, so half of that audience gets their money's worth, I guess. <laughs> the other side, but, uh, and to this day, ladies and gentlemen, Michael wears 14 layers of clothes anywhere I he goes. Do. Oh, yeah, there, there we is. go. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we have told you about some amazing theater to go see, and we can't highly recommend enough Hollywood premiere party, the show. Uh, this is a fun, interactive event. Uh, Carrie's certainly an engaging man, and you're going to find out a lot of cool things about seeing live theater in L.A. and and just how many different ways there are to do it. We've also, of course, talked about other great shows here, including Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at 3D Theatricals. And the best way to see that is to go online and you can visit what, Michael? You can visit 3dtheatricals.org. Which is a great way to go get tickets tickets there. there. For the uh, upcoming performances in Cerritos Center for the Performing Arts, which starts tomorrow evening and runs through the 23rd of October. And, of course, for Hollywood Premiere Party, you can visit uh, www.hollywoodpremiereparty.com or www.plays411.com backslash HPP. We'd also encourage you to go to the Valley Performing Arts Center website and check out this amazing show coming up. You won't be disappointed with her and with what they do there. That's right. She's absolutely amazing. How could you be disappointed with Kelly? Right. Or with the Valley Performing Arts Center. That is a perfect match of amazing artists and amazing venues. You simply call 818-677-3000 or visit valleyperformingartscenter.org. We want to thank all of our guests today. Thank you so much, Carrie, for being here. Thank you guys for both having me. Thank you, Mark Kudish, for uh, chiming in. We're so happy to have you and thank you Andrew David James and thank you Michael where do I get to see you next week on the radio you're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Andrew David James only on LA Talk Radio